This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Friday, July 20th. It is Meet My Friend Friday. And as promised, my friend Ginger Hubbard is here to talk to parents who are having a hard time uh, taming their child's tongue. And I think sometimes, honestly, we're having a hard time taming our own tongue. So if this is you and you want to hear from Ginger, stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so for all of you who've been watching me on Insta stories and all of my chaos at the house, I didn't finish on Friday like I like I wanted to. And in fact, it's Friday again and I'm still not done. <laughs> but I'm close. I've been spending this week recording my new book, Prayers for the Battlefield. So that will be available in an audio format from ChristianAudio.com. So we're excited about that. Just excited about uh the book launch and how that's going and uh yeah, just can't wait to see what the Lord does with it. If you're interested in being on the launch team, uh, check it out. You'll get that information at momstronginternational.com. All right, without further ado, you know that I love talking about all things parenting and all things MomStrong over here at the podcast. And one of my favorite authors in the whole world is on the show with me today. Her name is Ginger Hubbard. Ginger, originally I heard about Ginger because she wrote a book several years ago called Don't Make Me Count to Three. And it literally uh, rocked my world. It actually rocked the world of several of my friends because I bought a bunch of copies and handed them out. (laughs) Uh, Ginger's kind of got a no-nonsense approach to uh, parenting. Something else I appreciate about her, she is a speaker and an author. Obviously, she has spoken at hundreds of parenting conferences and mom's events and homeschool conventions around the country. She is a veteran homeschooling mom. Another reason I love her, of two adult children and a stepmom to her stepson. So she and her husband, Ronnie, have been married about seven years. So they're still really in the honeymoon phase of their marriage. We were just talking about that. So I cannot wait to hear what she has to say. Ginger has a new book out called, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue. Ginger, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heidi. It's great to be with you. So you have been, you've been talking parenting for quite a while. What is your, when you look around in the culture today, I'm going to ask you a question that you probably didn't see coming. When when you look around the culture today and you think today's parents are struggling with, what's the first thing that comes to your to your mind based on what you see and are observing? I just see that parents are really struggling with not knowing how to handle issues that their children are struggling with. I mean, you're in Walmart, the grocery store, and kids are just out of control these days. And, you know, all parents desire to raise happy, obedient, respectful children, but so many of them just don't know how. And so out of frustration, you see them handling situations with their children with frustration and anger. And and I I really think that it boils down to not so much the heart of the parent, uh, you know, because they want to do it the right way. They just really don't have the tools in, in knowing how to do it. So that's really where I like to come in and just come alongside those parents and, and really give them a plan of action for getting to the heart of the matter with their kids instead of just a re- addressing that outward behavior. Because mm. I firmly believe that 
if you can reach the heart, well, then the behavior is going to take care of itself. And there's just nothing better to help us do that than the wisdom that comes from God's word. That's exactly right. And I'm always telling parents, we're, we're parenting them now so we can be friends with them later. I think one of the things that I am observing in the culture so much is that, A, we have parents who are not willing to take responsibility for the actions of their children. So I meet public school teachers who are literally afraid to correct children because they know they're going to have to deal with their parents uh, in a parent teacher conference or whatever it is. And we, you know, and I'm trying to empower parents. And I know you are too, by saying, listen, shepherd and parent and discipline and train up your children so that you can be friends with them later. And that's kind of a, a huge part of why you're doing what you're doing, isn't it? It is. And that's so true. You know, a lot of times parents are trying to be friends with their children when they're little, and that's not the time to do it. I mean, obviously, we want to have great relationships with them and communicate and do fun things. But we also we need to be the parent and they need to be the children. And when that relationship is right and we do take the initiative to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord when they're little, then when they get older, we just we're going to have a better relationship with them because we did it right to start with and then we can enjoy as they you know as mine really moved into their teen years we transitioned from the training and instructing to really a more of a friendship with them and you know now more my of kids a coaching. can come to me yeah, exactly, more of a coaching and guiding. And so my kids come to me now and they know that I'm not They'll come and ask my opinion about things and they want my direction and my guidance, but they know that at the age they are now, you know, my oldest two are 25 and 22, and then the two stepsons are 21 and 18. And, you know, we're in that coaching phase now where they can come and they can share their hearts with us and, and we're not going to try to control their behavior anymore like we did when they were younger. Yeah. Well, and it's so important, you know, we talk, you know, I, I think sometimes parents bristle at this idea of controlling uh, a child's behavior, but really that is the job of a parent. And I'm always telling uh, young moms, listen, if you think you're, if, you, if you're frustrated by your four-year-old screaming at you, try a 14-year-old screaming at you. Uh, we want to be able to train our children in righteousness. And I think, uh, I, I love kind of your heart because... Um, I think we've America is sort of facing, I talked about this in becoming mom strong, really an epidemic of undisciplined children who have no filter on the things that they say. And I kind of have a theory about that. I feel like we're they're they're watching their parents who also have no filter <laughs> on the things that they say. But how how do you think our nation has sort of reached this point in uh in our parenting? Well, Heidi, you know as well as I do that we live in a nation that really defies God at every point, including child training. And as we talked about a few minutes ago, it's not that parents don't desire um, to raise respectful, obedient children. All parents desire that, but many fail to achieve those results. And I believe the reason is twofold. I think that the first problem is that many parents in an attempt to get their children to obey and show that verbal respect have adopted faulty child training methods, which focus only on that outward behavior of their children, but fail to reach the hearts. Many parents have developed that philosophy that if they can get their kids to act right, that they're raising them the right way. But there is far more to parenting than getting our children to act right. We want to get them to think right and to be motivated out of a love of God, a love of virtue, a love of what's right, rather than just a fear of punishment. So failure to reach their heart is, is, is one problem. And the second problem, Heidi, is that parents are just simply not following the instructions in the instruction manual. I want 
I know. I once heard um, Roy Lesson compare God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. You know, when you think about it, when you buy a new appliance, the manufacturer provides you with an instruction manual and tells you how to use the appliance and, and how to keep it in the best working order. And obviously, if something goes wrong, then the customer is encouraged to contact the manufacturer for repairs. And it's the same with families. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being. And in the Bible, he has provided parents with instructions for how it operates best. And and I just love that. I love that comparison that Roy Lesson gives. Because, you know, also when parents experience problems with training their kids, he's also given us open communication with him through prayer. And according to James 1, 5, he tells us that when we ask him for wisdom in anything, in parenting, in anything, when we ask him for that wisdom, he promises that he'll give it to us. I love it. It's a beautiful promise. And I think one of the first things that we do just in our humanness when we're struggling, especially with our children, because it's the heat of the moment, right? The first thing we're going to do is react. And I, I'm always, uh, for myself, I'm just preaching to myself now because I've, you know, uh, four of my children are grown and I still have three at home. And I, I noticed that in my own, just, you know, whether I'm tired or whatever it is, whenever I respond in my flesh to my children, uh, the result is never what I want it to be. You know, a right. I have to go back and apologize, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I and I didn't get the the the, the um, result that I wanted because I wasn't doing it the way God asked me to do it. And really, you're you're saying um, part of the reason I love you so much is that you have a focus on the Word of God and saying, "Listen, your kids." I keep you know I hear parents say all the time, "Boy, I wish my kids came with an owner's manual." They did come with an owner's manual. Mm-hmm. They came with uh, instruction from the Word of God. And if there weren't any parenting books out there, if I had never written becoming mom strong. And if you had never written, I can't believe you just said that. And there was never another parenting book out there. And all we had access to was the word of God. It would be enough. That's and right. I think parents need to realize that uh, mm-hmm. and come back to just the centrality and the authority of uh, the word of God. I want to ask you another question. You write in your book, why do they act like that? You write in your book that why do they act like that is the wrong question to ask of misbehaving and rude talking children. Uh, Given that this is so close to the title of your book, what do you mean? Well, when my kids were little, like a lot of parents, I was constantly shocked by some of the things that came out of their mouths, (laughs) whether it was whining or lying or talking back or, or whatever. I would typically ask that question that we hear so many parents ask, why do you act like that? But after a closer look at the Word of God, I realized that I was asking the wrong question. Mm. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. (laughs) Our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. The sin that shows up in our words, it comes from inside us, and it starts a lot sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So when parents truly grasp the origin of sin and the total depravity of the human race, we no longer question why our children sin. So I slowly learned to stop asking, why does my child sin? And instead, I began to ask myself, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner just like me in need of a savior? How can I help him understand and live in the transformational power of Christ? Well, and this is so important because we're living in a culture and even in a church, 
I think that really points to the, that, you know, men are generally good at heart. I hear it all the time. You know, people are generally good, but the Bible says the heart is just, is desperately wicked. And the Bible says that we're not generally good. We're generally, we're generally wicked. And when you realize that about yourself, A, it's humbling and B, it drives you back to the Lord because you know that that's where his answers are at. And that's where you're asking parents to start is just to say, let's stop looking at the fruit and look at the root. Right. That's right. And then it changes our perspective. You know, our ultimate goal in everything is to point our children to Christ and their need for him. And, you know, I loved a little earlier you were saying how, you know, sometimes that when you mess up, with your kids that you have to go back and say you're sorry. And, you know, that's so important that we do that. I mean, I've been teaching on this stuff for for many, many years, but that doesn't mean that I never blew it with my kids because I certainly did. But I found in those moments, instead of just kicking myself and beating myself up, that when I was willing to humble myself and go and, you know, just sit down with my kids and say, you know what, the way that I just spoke to you, it did not show respect for you and it did not honor God. Will you forgive me? And so even those moments that we blow it, God can use even those times as precious opportunities to let our kids see that we have a need for Christ and we need for him to be working in our lives. And then they see that we're willing to humble ourselves and, and what does repentance and, and, and going back and making things right look like that see that, that allows our kids to see that Christ is working in our hearts. Mm. And so that sets the stage and the example um, for them to do the same thing that that uh, that we're doing. That's right, and they're going to need that because they're going to be parents themselves one day. I don't think we actually fully appreciate uh, parenting our parents until we become parents ourselves. And I know Absolutely. that certainly that's been. I can. My daughter Savannah has come to me many times and been just like, "Mom, I cannot believe you've done this seven times." You know? uh, and, and I think we we want our kids to have this, you know this respect and this, um, you know, appreciation for what we're doing. But really, at the end of the day, we're not doing this so that our kids will appreciate us. We're doing this so that they will walk with God. And I love that um, throughout the book, you you point parents back to the Bible. We, you know, we've discussed that the Bible is the best instruction manual for parenting. And there are lots of things that are, that are very clear that are addressed in the Bible, like disobedience and lying and that kind of thing. But what about a verbal offense that we want to correct in our children that's not directly addressed in the Bible, such as um, whining? Well, for a while, one of my children really struggled with whining. So I can relate and sympathize with parents (laughs) dealing with that annoying verbal offense is probably one of the most annoying ones that we deal with. It can really get under our skin. And you're right, Heidi, the Bible doesn't talk specifically about whining. It doesn't use the word whining, but the Bible does talk about self-control. And if you think about it, Whining is an issue of self-control. And so when my daughter, she was the one that really struggled with whining, when she would whine in an attempt to get her way or to acquire something that she wanted, um, well, let's just say, just a scenario, let's say that she comes into the kitchen and rather than simply asking for a cup of juice, she whines for it. I would uh, really try to get to the heart of that behavior. It asks us something very simple. Honey, are you asking for juice with self-control? Mm, no. So good. Yeah, no, no, sweetie, you're you're really not. And God wants you to have self-control, even with your voice. And because I love you so much, I want to help you get that self-control. So what I did in our home, just for the your, your listeners out there that are struggling with whining, because that's a biggie these days. It's a big one. 
Yeah. So, so let me just tell how, how I handled this in our home because it was very effective. Um, what I did is I said, so what I'm going to do, sweetie, to help you get that self-control with your voice is I'm going to set the timer for three minutes. And when that timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way. So you see, I didn't, I reproved her for whining. I had her suffer the consequences of having to wait three minutes, which can seem like an eternity for a small child. Right. And then most important, I have her come back and ask for juice with self-control, which is an issue that is addressed in God's word. So that's what we're trying to convey here is that all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. So those wise parents are going to learn how to reach past that outward behavior pull out what's going on in the heart, and then you better believe God's word is going to have something to say about it because God is concerned with the issues of the heart. Yes, I love that. You know, and parents often, you know, we're dealing with so many things in the culture right now. Uh, one of the things that um, I really addressed in uh, Becoming Mom Strong was just saying this generation of parents is dealing with things that previous generations didn't even see coming, particularly in the areas of social change where we've done, we've we've made such a departure from the word of God on uh, on marriage and on human sexuality and our kids are growing up in that and put and sending them back to the word of God for every situation. I love that you that you talked about the fruit of the spirit that is self-control because what we're saying to our children is God's word is not silent on the issues that we're facing and when they get older, issues of marriage and human sexuality, we point them again back to the word of God. God is not silent on these issues because he made us, he knows it. He knows us so well. And I love that you are, uh, that you're doing that. I'm looking at your book right now. And uh, by the way, we're doing, you're doing a giveaway, right? Which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. But uh, every chapter in your book addresses a different verbal offense, such as lying and tattling, uh, whining. I love that you talk about whining. I used to tell my children, oh, I don't speak whinies. Like we'll have to start over. (laughs) We're going to have to start over again. Um, and complaining and you, what you end up doing is offering a really simple three-step plan for dealing with each one of those uh, verbal offenses. Can you tell us a little bit about what that plan looks like? Yes. As you said, every chapter begins with a different tongue-related offense. And I open every chapter with a very common, relatable scenario that that most every parent is going to relate to. Um, Some of the parents that had read my book, some of the conventions that you and I just spoke at together, I had so many parents come up to my booth and say, oh, that opening scenario online, that is exactly how that went down in our house last week. So so it's very relatable. Turns out the devil's been doing the same thing for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yes, apparently so. So, um, anyway, so for each one of those chapters, I open with that scenario and then I do, I offer, um, just a very simple three step plan, all based on the word of God. And so, um, step one is heart probing questions. You know, if you think about it in All the stories in scriptures, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong and this is what you should have done instead. Jesus often used heart probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Hmm. Jesus knew he was a skilled heart prober. He knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations around them and onto the sin in their own heart. So for each of those verbal offenses, step one is I offer just 
two or three just very simple questions to help parents, again, reach past that outward behavior and pull out what is going on in the heart. And then steps two and three are based on the verse in Ephesians that says that we're to put off our old self and put on our new self. So step two is what to put off, what God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right. I love that. I love that. It's so practical. I think parents, I think we can feel overwhelmed when your kid's coming at you and they're manipulating you. That's a big one or interrupting or whatever it is. It. I, I think, well, at least this is me. I mean, I can't speak for every parent out there, but my flesh, especially, like I said, especially if I'm tired, my flesh just wants to go, stop it. You know, you know better. But if we, I love that you said that Jesus uh, was a skilled heart prober and really we're supposed to be following his example and become skilled heart probers ourselves. So after you go through the those three steps, how can parents get their children to actually, so now we know what to do. How do we get the children to actually implement the principles that uh, are being taught? Right. How does it become more than just verbal? How do they, how do you get them to actually do it? Right. Um, well, in our home, what we did is we required them um, to practice the biblical alternative to the wrong behavior because mm. it's never enough to just verbally instruct our children in what not to do. We have to instruct them in what to do. We have to teach them how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And then most important, we want to have them actually go back and do it. Because when we require our children to physically practice that that biblical alternative to their sinful behavior, we are teaching them how to actually apply God's word to daily life. So for example, let's say that a child speaks disrespectfully. That's pretty common, you know, in the younger years and, and even as they certainly get into their teen years, um, speaks disrespectfully. And the parent says, you know, we're so quick to say something like, that was disrespectful. You shouldn't right. speak to me like that. Now go to your room. Hey, and, have and, you been in my house lately? <laughs> mine now. No, I was in mine as mine were growing okay. up. So yes, I can totally <laughs> relate to that. That's just, we're, we're so quick to do that. And, but yeah. it, I think it's because we don't really have a plan. We don't know what to do. So we just sort of administer that, that consequence and get onto them for it. But That's ineffective child training because the most important part is left out. We shouldn't just rebuke and or even just discipline the child who is speaking disrespectfully. We should have him come back and practice the biblical alternative by communicating the right way with the appropriate words and the appropriate tone of voice. And for many children, particularly mine, as they grew into their teen years, the appropriate Mm. facial expression. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So when we train our children in what's right, Heidi, and require them to practice what is right, that's how we teach them to grow in wisdom. And that's how we prepare them to govern their own actions for future situations as they grow into adults. And in my book, I actually refer to this as the practice principle. And, you know, think about it. If you imagine... Imagine this, trying to teach your child how to tie his shoes without the practice principle. It doesn't work. Just verbally walking him through that process is not going to be enough. At some point, you would have to physically demonstrate how to do it and then have him practice it on his own. So I just look at it like if the practice principle is vital for teaching such morally neutral task as tying shoes, how much more important is it for training children in Christ-like character? 
It's mm, so good. It's so good. We're over time, but I, I, I can't help it. I got to ask you one more question because uh, I know the par- I know that there's, there's a bunch of moms and dads listening to this right now who are uh, furiously writing notes. Uh, what are the ele- uh, elements of ineffective discipline? So if you've got a parent who knows, oh man, I'm, I'm the one who's screaming at my kid and sending them to their room. And, uh, that that's me. I've been using ineffective, uh, uh, um, methods of disciplining. What are some of the, the, these that parents, obviously the yelling should avoid? Well, when children speak offensively, parents often respond in one of two ways. They tend to either ignore the child, hoping that he'll outgrow it, or they administer some sort of consequence, hoping, as we say a lot of times, to put the fear of God in him. And both of right. those methods are ineffective because they fail to train and instruct. There are occasions, obviously, when ignoring is going to be more convenient for us, because after all, it does take time to train our children up in the way they should go. But to ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance is to selfishly place our own interest above the interest in the well-being of the child. And then on Mm. the other hand, consequences for wrong behavior, you and I both are all about that and they, they have their place. They are a part of it, but they are not a substitute for training and instructing. Administering Mm. consequences without following through with that righteous training only teaches kids one thing, that there are consequences for sin. And that is an important lesson, but an even greater lesson is to understand the higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God and bring Him the glory He deserves. So our purpose in disciplining our children, it's not merely to teach them to avoid consequences, but to train and instruct them to honor God with their lives. Yeah, it's so good. And then really the, the bottom line is that parenting is hard work. I mean, it is, it's a lot harder uh, to take your child aside and train them in righteousness and say, okay, we're going to go back and do this again. This is what God wants. And you're training. And I think so much of it is, uh, you know, what we're doing. I hear a lot of moms today just, you know, we're, we're, we talk about what a hot mess we are and how hard parenting is. And I kind of just want to say, right? (laughs) I mean, you're training a human being. Like, I don't know when we thought this was going to be easy work. But what I love that what you're doing, Ginger, is that you're telling parents that it's so important for us to put the spiritual interest of our child above our uh, need even for a break, our, you know, our human desire to just go, just go away. And I've talked many times about mistakes I've made over 27 years of parenting seven children. One of the biggest mistakes that I made was kicking the can down the road with a with an area in my child's heart that I knew was a problem, but I was just too tired. I had so many things going on that I thought, just like you said, if I just ignore this, it will go away. Well, then it went from a little tiny thing to a huge thing. And now you got a huge problem to deal with. And so I think what I hear you saying is deal with it when it's a small problem so that it doesn't become a big problem and and direct that child back to the word of God. That's right. That's exactly what we're saying. And you're right, Heidi. Sometimes we just, we don't want to do it. We're tired. We're worn out and we just want it to go away. But on those days that we really become weary and training our children in the same things over and over, we can be encouraged with Galatians 6, 9. And that verse says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That was my life mm. verse for parenting. I love that. I love that. And I, and actually that's funny that you'd end this way because my, one of my first notes that I wrote uh, for my interview with you today was that we spend most of our, um, what feels like most of our lives with our children 
in a season of sewing. And all of a sudden I found, you know, it's been several years now since my kids entered their late teens and, and into their twenties, but I'm in a season of reaping now. And I think for parents to be able to look ahead, don't give up because you, re- you we're going to reap what we sow mm-hmm. and we want to be able to reap that harvest of righteousness and joy. And so Ginger, thank you so much for pointing parents back to the word of God today. You're doing a giveaway. Can you tell us about it real quick? I am. I'm giving away a copy of I Can't Believe You Just Said That. And I think that uh, your assistant, Melissa, said she would be putting a link or or something on your website so people can do that. Yep. So you guys can find that. If you would like to win a copy of I Can't Believe You Just Said That, uh, you can find that giveaway at the show notes today. Ginger Hubbard's new book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue, uh, is available now. I'm telling you what, you, you guys, you will not be sorry. Uh, don't uh, don't walk, run to Amazon, to Barnes & Noble, uh, to wherever you books are sold and uh, pick up this book because it should be the handbook for every parent that's listening to this interview. Ginger, I so appreciate your heart for parents and for pointing them back to the Word of God. Thank you so much for coming on the show with oh, me today. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. It was a joy. If you guys want more information about Ginger, you can find her at gingerhubbard.com. As always, I will link back to all things guest-related at the show notes today, including the giveaway. Also want to remind you, we are halfway through our scripture writing challenge. We are studying, is that really in the Bible? Some of the commonly uh, misunderstood and misquoted uh, passages of scripture. If you are not a member at MomStrong International, I want to encourage you to do that. We are having a hoot and holler and good time over there, uh, learning to rightly divide the word of God. If you want more information about that, you can find me at MomStrongInternational.com. Thanks for joining us today, everybody, and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at TheBusyMom.com.